Now it's time for the rural news with Monique Steele. And Monique, the Gisborne-based Wee Perry Trust has taken out this year's Ahu Whenua Trophy. Kiana, yes, that's right. The trust which grows kiwi fruit, citrus, and blueberries has been awarded the honour. The Ahu Whenua Trophy, first awarded 90 years ago, is the most prestigious award for excellence in Māori farming and horticulture. We Petty Horticulture General Manager Wayne Hall says it's amazing to be recognised. There's been a lot of work that's gone in behind the scenes over the last few years to, to get us to the level that we're at. Um, sort of where we came from 10 years ago to where we are now. And it's a whole team effort. It's staff, it's, it's management, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a whole team effort. So we're, you know, just proud that everybody could celebrate with us. Wayne Hall told Sally Murphy the business was judged on innovation, sustainability, finances, customer relationships and tikanga Māori. From our point of view, it's really about understanding um, what the potential is through tikanga. And, and for us as operators, uh, really understanding, you know, where that will fit with our business. Um, so that, that's been a learning curve for a lot of us, but it's important to incorporate that as part of the journey. I mean, on a day-to-day basis, how you operate the company, would it differ vastly from another horticultural company? I think the thing that really stands out for us is, you know, we've got land that will never be sold, and, it, and it's there long term, and it's there uh, through, through, you know, through slightly different lens than, than um, you know, standard business, which you know could be bought or sold or traded or whatever. Um, you know, this is a long term project, um, so I guess we're just part of that journey. So when we are no longer there, there's the next, there's the next um, group of people to take take the trust through on the on the farm and on the orchards. That's Wayne Hall. And the winner of the Ahu Whenua Young Māori Grower was 21-year-old Grace Rehu, who is the leading hand for Turner and Growers in Pukekohe, Hawke's Bay. Meanwhile, the Wipiri Trust has also become the first Māori family to make NBR's rich list, with wealth of $165 million. List editor Maria Slade says the Trust is one of three significant new entrants in the agribusiness category. We get criticised sometimes for um, the lack of inclusion of Māori business people, but that's because Māori wealth is held in a different way usually, um, through, you know, collectively through iwi organisations. In this case, it's the Wipiri Trust, um, which is collective, but it's a, it's one family, the descendants of Wipiri, who was a um, MP in the um, 1900s, and um, he sort of had the foresight to uh, protect his land. And now uh, they're very successful farmers. They have um, close to tripled their equity in the last sort of 12 years or so. And they've moved into high-value horticulture as well, such as kiwi fruit and persimmons. Uh, so, you know, and they're, they're very much guided by a, a kaitiakitangi whenua plan, uh, which they adhere to, a lot of sustainability mm. elements in that, and um, their descendants all benefit from that very successful business. Maria Slade says the other new entrants are Hamilton meat exporters, the Egan family, on $300 million, and Hawke's Bay agri-financiers and farmers, the Kite brothers, with $235 million. The impact of Cyclone Gabriel has seen big players in the horticulture industry, the Apatu brothers, fall off the list after the storm devastated 60% of their orchards and fields just as they were due to start harvesting. Graham Hart remains New Zealand's richest person with the fortune of $12 billion flat on last year. An agritech company has welcomed news that National wants to review the use of gene editing and gene modification. 
The party says it will oversee a rethink on the restrictions on genetic modification if it leads the next government. AgriTech NZ Chief Executive Brendan O'Connell says the current legislation was amended 20 years ago, so it's time to review it. I'm glad that it's been brought into the election year and public debate. I think there's been a lot of discussion sort of in in science circles and other areas for many years, and it's good to bring it out into public debate. We need some intelligent dialogue on this. Mr O'Connell says the use of genetic technologies like gene editing could help reduce on-farm emissions. Whether that's in new grass type, which when uh, consumed by ruminants produce less methane and nitrous oxide, or whether it's the actual genetic development of the animals themselves. So I guess looking at how we do, how we've always done genetic improvement in terms of selective breeding for various traits, there are now genetic technologies, gene editing technologies that applied could accelerate the rate of change in terms of things like methane production. And that would just be accelerating what we've, all, what we've always done. It's a sort of a, um, a equivalent type technologies. But at the moment, based on how the regulations are set up, those technologies are not available. That's Brendan O'Connell from Agritech. Forestry exporters are being told to hold on for the long haul, with log exports to China not expected to rebound to pre-COVID levels until next year at the earliest. Despite an initial burst in demand when our biggest trading partner began to reopen this year, demand for imports to China has been more subdued than hoped. Westpac senior agri-economist Nathan Penny says China's economic slowdown can be seen in their housing market, directly affecting our log export prices. There's clear signs that it's bottomed, but the signs that it's turning up are slower to come through. And we, we now expect the Chinese housing market to not really turn around materially until next year. Now that's definitely been seen in you know, log prices. And so... We we expect them to remain weak for most of this year and it won't be until next year that we see log prices uh, lift and that's definitely a reflection of the Chinese housing market taking longer to get up ahead of steam. Nathan Penny says Chinese demand for meat and dairy has also been rather flat and that, coupled with New Zealand's limited capacity to produce more cheese to take advantage of the high global cheese prices, has seen the bank cut its milk price forecast for the current season to $8.90 per kilogram of milk solids. And that's the rural news for today. Koyara te porongo o te taifenua.